0: Thank you, Kim. Um, when I was a few years younger, um, I went to a wedding, and uh, the pastor... I don't know how a pastor would mess up this one line. He messed up this one line. At the end of the ceremony, you know, they do all the different things. You go through the whole ceremony. And at the end of the ceremony, the pastor will say by the authority vested in me by the state of Alabama or whatever state you're in, and by God, I now pronounce you man and wife. You may kiss your bride. You know, right? Easy enough, right? I've never even done a wedding, I know the same. This guy uh, was from Louisiana, and so he, in Alabama, said, by the authority vested in me by the state of Louisiana. <laughs> so at the ceremony afterwards, the... the um, the reception, I was going to call it an after party, <laughs> oh my goodness, at the reception, uh, he has, he had to correct himself and re-say the line over with the right state. i like, how do you mess that up? And then I realized when I look in the mirror, oh <laughs> it's not that hard to mess things up, is it? Um, this morning, we're going to talk about by the authority vested in me. By the authority vested in me. Now, um, we all have authority, and that authority is vested. It's, it's given to us. We don't have authority because of who we are so much as what we are given, right? If, uh, if you're the CEO of a company, you don't have the authority because you're the CEO. You have the authority because the board gave you the authority. Um, you earn the authority. The president does not have authority because he's the president. He has authority because the Constitution gives him authority. Right? We're used to this idea of being given authority. We are vested with authority. Authority always comes from somewhere else. And what we find in the book of Galatians is that Paul has to defend his authority. Paul has to defend himself as having authority. The nature of, of the heresy that he is fighting is such that they're denying that he has the right to tell the church how to do how to live, how to be. He's not really an apostle. He's just some guy that ate some bad chicken, saw this crazy vision, and now he's telling you how to run your life. But he hasn't given you the whole story. He's not a real apostle. Sure, he's a good guy, but he doesn't have authority. Paul has to defend himself against these charges that he does not have authority and that's where we find ourselves this morning we're going to read quite a passage uh, a, a kind of a longer passage this morning but stand with me as we read from galatians chapter 1 and we're going to see the authority that paul has as an apostle now he's already told them in verse 1 of galatians 1 that he is an apostle not of men but of god but now he's going to get into more detail about What the source of His authority is. And more importantly for us, how that relates to us. You know, because we all have some kind of authority, don't we? Read with me from Galatians chapter 1. We'll start in verse 10 and we'll go through chapter 2 verse 10. This is God's Word. And if you let it, it will change your life. For I am now seeking, for am I now seeking the approval of men or of God or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not preach it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Caiaphas and remain with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm telling you and what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that were in Christ. They only were hearing it. Said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Then after 14 years, I went again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel of to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry, to the circumcised worked through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Caius and Cephas and John who seemed to be pillars perceived the grace that was given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do. Let's pray. Father God, in these words we find your life. In these words we find the basis of our authority. Lord, I pray as we seek the authority that's vested in us, as we seek to know where our authority comes from and how to use it properly. I pray that You would guide us. May Your Spirit guide us into all truth, bearing witness to Your Son and giving glory to the Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, um, in in this passage, Paul, as I've said, is defending his authority. Paul is kind of this master uh, of the argument. If you read through the book, you'll see this logical argument develop. And what he does, it's like... (laughs) It's like if you got train cars. Y'all ever, anybody ever work with trains? Like actual trains, not just not just little models. Okay, anybody work with model trains? Let's go there. Okay, a couple people. All right, anybody ever heard of trains? <laughs> All right. So how do you attach two trains together? You don't. You can't use super glue, right? Duct tape, not, not very good. What do you do? They have, I'm sorry, couplers. There's couplings. There's a piece on one train, a piece on the other train car, and they couple together. And, and there's, there's a guy that, that does and undoes the coupling so that the train cars can be linked together or taken apart as they need them to, right? You have this coupling. And the coupling is what joins what the car that comes before with the car that comes after, right? Okay? Y'all got me? Y'all follow me? Verse 10 is a coupling. So Paul has started with his argument. Remember back in verses 6 through 9, he's talking about the fact that they have so quickly deserted the gospel that he proclaimed to them. And that if anybody, no matter if it was him or an angel from heaven, if anybody is preaching a false gospel, he should be cursed. It doesn't matter who they are, it doesn't matter what they're saying, if it goes against the gospel, they are cursed, right? But now he's going to start talking about his own authority as an apostle. And so he needs something to couple. He needs something to bridge the gap. And that's what verse 10 is. For am I now seeking, he says, the approval of men or of God? And boy, that is a poignant question, isn't it? Am I looking for men's approval? Or am I looking for God's approval? You see, the question whom we are serving is absolutely critical, isn't it? Are we serving God? Are we serving man? I'm going to go ahead and make an application here. I believe all of us need to ask the question, do we serve God or man? Is what I'm doing right now serving God or is it pleasing men? Am I seeking to honor the Lord God of heaven and earth who created me and who has given me life so that I may give Him glory or am I trying to please the people around me so that I can have an easy life or a nice life or whatever so that I don't bring up trouble? You see, the fact of the matter is we have to make that choice constantly. It's not even a one-time choice. It's like choosing where to eat for lunch. <laughs> Every day you've got to make that choice over again, don't you? The, the same thing here. The question of who we serve is critical. And I'd say for moms, since we're focusing on mothers with it being Mother's Day, that's a question you got to ask. Who am I serving? Am I serving this little snotty nosed brat that I'm that I'm cleaning up their diaper? Am I serving this kid that doesn't want to eat the food I've given him? Am I serving this person over here who's got a nicer house and a nicer car and I'm trying to keep up with them and trying to look good so that so that they think I'm worth something? Or am I seeking to please God in what I'm doing? Am I seeking to please Him in everything? It's a question we have to ask. Paul then, having coupled these things up, having taken us from the person who's preaching a false gospel should be cursed. Besides, am I pleasing God or men? But let me show you how I'm pleasing God. Let me show you why I'm pleasing God. That's where we get into verses 11 and following. And it brings us to our first point that authority is given by God. Authority doesn't come from men, it comes from God. If we are going to please Christ, if we are going to honor God, we have to recognize that the authority that we have, whether it's limited or whether it's vast in scope, that authority does not come from people. It comes from God. He he shows this in two ways. First of all, he shows... That it comes from God because it's God that reveals his gospel. Look in verses 11 and 12. For I will have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. I'm not preaching a gospel that is my own. I'm not preaching a gospel that is something that I came up with. I'm not preaching a gospel that some guy sat around in a room and came up with. Let's, let's work this out. Let's flesh out what this gospel ought to look like. It is not man's gospel. It's not something that any of us came up with. It's something that God came up with. Verse 12, For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. That word revelation, that's the same word that be, that, that titles the last book of the Bible. It's a revealing. It's an opening up. God, through Jesus Christ, chose to open up his word, his gospel, to Paul. And he chooses to do the same with us. The gospel is not the product of human ingenuity. It's not the product of philosophic dreams. It's it's revealed by God. It comes from him. That's how we know God is the one who gives authority. Because God is the one who has authority. If it came from man, man would have the authority. It doesn't come from man, though. It comes directly from God. Unless God chooses to reveal himself and his plan to us, we would never, never, never... No, him. We couldn't. God is beyond me. You know what? Thank God for that. Because I don't want to worship anything I can explain. If I could, if I could wrap God up all in a nice box with a pretty little bow on it, he wouldn't be a God worth worshiping. He wouldn't be a God worth following. Jesus, if you'll remember back um in, in the Gospel of Luke, after he's raised from the dead, he's walking along with these two guys on the road to Emmaus, and they're walking along, and, and he's asking, what are you all talking about? And they're like, have, where have you been, under a rock? Don't you know what's been going on? He says, what, what, what are you talking about? What, what things have been going on? And they start to explain to him all these different things about Jesus coming into town and he was he he was certainly a prophet of God and he was killed and now his tomb is empty and nobody can find the body and nobody knows what's going on and he's listening to all this and you got you got to find the humor in the situation here's the god here's the lord himself who lived through all that who did all of that listening to them explain what has happened as though he doesn't know what's going on oh he knows exactly what's going on but you know sometimes Sometimes you just ask the question and let them talk. You you see a lot about someone by the way they describe things. But anyway, uh, he gets to the point after they explain everything and they're confused and they don't know what's going on, he finally says, don't don't you know what was written? Well, yeah, easy for you to say you're God, right? (laughs) They did know what was written. Oh, they knew it. They had read it. They had seen it but they couldn't put two and two together. So he puts two and two together for them. He opens their eyes so that they can see what is in the gospel. He opens their hearts so that they can receive the good news. He's the one who shows them how Moses and the prophets all talk about this Jesus. And then afterwards... They still don't know who he is. He gets to their house, and he's going to go a little bit further, but they bid him to stay, and so he comes in, and he breaks bread with them, and when he breaks bread, their eyes are open, and they realize this is Jesus, and he's gone. And then they turn to each other and say, did not our hearts burn within us when he taught us the Scriptures? You see, and when God opens your eyes, you see, but when God doesn't open your eyes, you're not going to see no matter how clear it may look, we still will not know God until he chooses to reveal himself. And that's, that's one big reason that we know authority comes from God, because he's the one who reveals it. He's the one who has revealed the gospel to Paul. And so Paul knows that the authority cannot come from man because what he is preaching hasn't come from man. Remember that verse, guys? Y'all remember 2 Corinthians 5.20 now, Right? Come on, we talked about this last week. (laughs) Oh, me. We are ambassadors for Christ. We talked about this morning in Sunday school, the job of a prophet is. The job of a prophet is to speak what God has said. And if you don't speak it, you're not a prophet. And if you speak something he hadn't said, you're not a prophet, right? It's the same way with ambassadors for Christ. It's the same way with missionaries. It's the same way for all of us. We are called to proclaim the gospel that has been revealed to us. And we know that authority comes from God because he's the one we get the gospel from. We also see that God does an amazing work. He transforms his enemies. So not only does he reveal his gospel, but he transforms his enemies. Look at verse 13. Paul says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. He says, There was a time when I was running around trying to kill Christians, trying to enslave Christians, trying to imprison Christians, trying to do everything that I can to stop this gospel. You know about those days. You've heard the stories. And he did. Verse 14. And I was advancing in Judaism. Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. I was so wrapped up in it that I was I was on the fast track there's nothing there's something that tells me that if Paul is in Jerusalem and he continues on the route that he's in, that he's going to be sitting in the Sanhedrin, that group of seventy elders. That ruled in Jerusalem over the religious aspects of the people. That would have been one. Of, he would have been one of them, and quite possibly even a high priest. This was a guy. This was a guy that was on track. Man, he was the rising star. Nobody, everybody knew Paul was on the ascent in Jerusalem. Injured. In Judaism, but, verse 15, but God interjects. But when he who had set me apart before I was born... See, this isn't news to God. He's got this plan from the beginning. Who called me by his grace. Was pleased to reveal his son to me. There it is again. Who revealed? Paul didn't discover. God revealed, God opened his eyes in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. <laughs> so let's set the picture here. guys is crucifying Christians, guy is persecuting Christians, guy is doing everything he can to stop the Christian movement. Suddenly God reveals himself to Paul and now... Now that Paul has seen Christ, now that Paul has met God, well, look in verse 23. Skip down to verse 23. They, talking about the church in Jerusalem, they were only hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Did you catch that? He who at one time was persecuting us is now preaching our message. I don't think y'all get this. How can I? How can I? Um, how can I put this in a way that you'll? I I, I want to. It's the kind of transformation that happens when a when a boy. Doesn't care anything about taking showers, suddenly gets interested in girls and wants to take three showers a day. It's that kind of transformation. I had a pastor one time that said, uh, "Boys, boys are dumb. you can put a You can put a dress on a bicycle, a boy'll chase it." Uh, it gets to a certain point where he suddenly gets interested in girls, man. It's all over, right? It's the kind of transformation that happens where you look at someone and you say, who are you and what have you done with this person? Because you're not the same person anymore. When I'm, when I'm nice to my wife, sometimes she says that. I, I, I think she's joking, I'm not sure. Um, when I open a car door for her, she's like, she looks at me kind of funny, I don't know. I might not better do it enough very much because she may expect it. Um, it's the kind of transformation that happens when everything changes. You are nothing like you used to be. You've heard stories. Some of you have lived this story where before God, before God got a hold of you, you were terrible. You were awful. You were no good, very bad. I mean, like you were, you were doing all kinds of different things you shouldn't have been doing. Making all kinds of mistakes with your life. But then that day that God got a hold of you, that time that God got your attention and revealed himself to you, suddenly everything changed. I can tell you stories of people who put down the, the alcohol and stopped the sexual immorality and stopped living life in a way that, that was terrible and that was destining them to doom and destruction just completely stopped, cold turkey, and from then on lived a life that was incredibly different because God got a hold of them. I think we can all point to those stories. We all know those different people that have experienced that kind of life, and I'm going to tell you something. When God gets a hold of you, he transforms you. Man, you're dramatically different. If any man is in Christ, Paul said, he's a new creation. By the way, that's that's just a couple verses before we are ambassadors. See, being an ambassador comes from that, being a new creation. Paul saw that God was the one who gave him authority. The God who had revealed the gospel to him, the God that had radically changed his life, he was the one that gave him the authority. He also saw something else too. He saw that the authority is exercised in God's will. If we are going to take the authority that God has given us and we're going to use it, We have to use it in conjunction with the will of God. Verses 16 and 17, go back. We read the first part of this. When God was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, look what he does. I did not immediately consult with anyone. He didn't call a committee. I did not go to Jerusalem. God was called among the Gentiles. How many Gentiles do you think are in Jerusalem? There weren't many that day. Where'd he go? Arabia. Then Damascus. Then look at verse 21. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. You know what he says? I went to the Gentiles. God called me to the Gentiles, so I went to the Gentiles. It would be 14 years before he would end up in Jerusalem. 14 years. Think about that for a second. This is a guy who has realized that Paul has called him to be a missionary among the Gentiles, but in order to fulfill his calling, he's got to go to the Gentiles. He can't sit around and wait. He doesn't go to seminary. He doesn't get long, exhaustive bits of training. He gets to work. Paul recognized that God's authority is only valid when it's exercised within God's will. Let me say that again. Paul recognized that God's authority is only valid when it's exercised in God's will. Some of us are trying to exercise authority outside of the will of God. You ever, you ever get your plans together, like you're, you're going to do something, and then afterwards you say, oh, well, I need to pray about this. And then you say, God, God, thank you for helping me make these plans. Lord, bless them. It's exercising authority outside the will of God. Doesn't mean you haven't made okay plans. But you got to start with his authority start with his will and then make your plans so you ever you ever sought forgiveness without changing the underlying bad habit that caused the sin in the first place that's exercising authority outside the will of god god i just wish you would save me from this terrible mouth that i have that that that, Lord, I know I talk out uh, against this person. Every time we get together, I just tell them, tell them what's on my mind, and, God, I know that's a sin. What do you keep doing? You keep putting yourself in that position. You don't stop yourself before you say it. You don't think, all right, how am I going to deal with this? What, what, how? How, God, are you going to help me deal with this situation? I can't exactly get away from this person. Or maybe you can and you just need to. But when we ask for forgiveness, when we look to God for forgiveness and we're not willing to change the underlying behavior and we're not willing to do something about what causes the sin in the first place, we're exercising authority outside God's will. Um, Y'all don't even bring up politics. That's asking for problems sometimes, you know? You get that one person, and you know. You know, but yet you bring it up anyway. Exercising authority outside God's will. Making other people conform to your version of righteousness. You know the problem that the Pharisees had? You know the problem that the Judaizers had? They had a long list that went on top of God's Word. And any time I expect you to live by my standard of righteousness as opposed to God's standard of righteousness, I'm exercising authority outside of God's will. God has shown us what is good. God has shown us what is good. What is it that Hosea says? What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? I, I heard the other day the Torah, uh, 613 laws. It's kind of a common law thing. I never thought about it this way before. But man, how often we take common law and we turn it as though our laws matter more than God's. Jesus said of the Pharisees, you tithe mint, and dill, and cumin, very small spices. You will tithe... The teeniest, tiniest things, but you won't honor God. You won't give Him the big things, but, but you'll try to, to act like you're being righteous because you nitpick the details. That's exercising authority outside God's will. And we all do it. All of us. There are times where we exercise God's authority outside of His will. And you know what? At that point, God just says, Pfft, That's not me. I'm not authorizing this anymore. You see, it's like using the wrong key to open a locked door. It doesn't work. If you want God's authority, you got to exercise it in His will. God-given authority exercised within God's will always results in God's power. But otherwise, no, it doesn't. God will not honor an effort when His authority is being used the wrong way. No matter how good intentioned it might be. You might ask, what about others? Okay, authority authority comes from God. It's exercised in His will. You've got to do what God wants. What about other people, though? I mean, surely they matter in this, right? Well, yeah, they matter. They just aren't the ones that give you the authority. They're not the ones that empower your authority. Let me, let me show you the place of others. Authority is recognized by others. You see, it comes from God, and it's exercised in God's will, but that doesn't mean others don't have a role to play. We have a role with each other to recognize God's movement in other people's lives and to build them up and encourage them and help them along and correct them when they're wrong so that they can better exercise God's authority and His will. We have a calling church. This is why, this is why God put us together as a church. Because He knew, think about it, men, we can definitely identify with this, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Do you know why? Because Lord, he needs some help, right? He knew, he knew that for us to experience the fullness of life, we'd have to do it together. Not just in marriage, but in community. He makes the marriage the, the basic structure unit of that community But He makes that community, that sharing life together so that we can experience the fullness of God. I mean, God Himself is community. Three, yet one. And so so for our role, for each other, our role is to recognize the authority. To recognize God working out His will in each other's lives and to build each other up and help each other along in that. Let me show you this. Galatians 2, verse 6. Paul goes to the apostles. He describes the gospel. He shares with them the gospel that he's sharing with the Gentiles. And though, though there are people that are coming in trying to mess this up, trying to ruin this, trying to add to the gospel, trying to take away from Paul the authority that God has given him, he doesn't submit to them. And then it says in verse 6, and those from those who seem to be influential. He's picking his words very carefully here. He is being accused of not being a real apostle, but because the original apostles, the ones in Jerusalem, haven't authorized him. He's saying they don't matter. They're not the ones that authorize me. God is. So those who seem to be influential, though what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Whether they are or not is immaterial. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. They saw that my words, they saw that the gospel that I was presenting was complete, that it was whole. It didn't need anything else. They also said, verse 7, On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. Now he says, you know, Peter was entrusted with the gospel specifically for the Jews. I was entrusted with the gospel specifically for the Gentiles, and they saw that. And how did they see that? Verse 8, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. It's the same Holy Spirit empowering both. And so Paul says they saw that. They saw that I had the gospel. They saw that I had the power of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do the work that I was doing. Then what did they do? Verse 9. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship. They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. You know what they said? They said... I see God working in you. And I want to build you up and encourage you to keep doing that work. That's what they did. They said, I see what God is doing in your life. I see that you have the authentic gospel and that you are sharing the truth of God. And I want to build you up. Now, did they give him authority? No. He already had authority. But they recognized it. You know, maybe maybe, maybe that's something we need to do. In my early days of preaching, people would come up to me and say different things. I got a lot of, oh, that was a great sermon, which I knew it wasn't, but that's okay. They're trying to encourage me. Every now and then I'd get, wow, that, I, I've never looked at the passage that way before. Now i wanna, now I want to go read the rest of the story and find out what happens. Man, I love those kinds of comments. I had one come to me and say one time, you could be the next Adrian Rogers. And I said, who? <laughs> I didn't know who Adrian Rogers was. I know now. That, that was a compliment. But still, there were folks that came up to me and built me up and encouraged me. And I'm so grateful for them. You know, maybe we need to, maybe we need to recognize God's authority in other people. Maybe we need to, maybe we need to encourage that person that's just starting out. They're new in their faith. They're going along. They just need someone to build them up. Show them the right way. Maybe that needs to be us. Maybe someone's down in the dumps. They've been working and working and working and spinning the wheels and it feels like all they're doing is just slinging mud So they're not getting any traction, at least none that they can see. Maybe that needs to be our calling to recognize that, to say you keep at it, to say, here, let me, let me give you a board so you can get some traction going to help them out. Maybe... Let's look at mamas again. Maybe we need to recognize our mamas. And not just recognize them with the generic Happy Mother's Day. We love you. We know you do so much. But call out specific things. Mama, the the way you make that cornbread casserole. Mama, the, 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 the tireless nights that you spent dealing with me when I was colicky. Mama, the... The running back and forth, uh, the gallons and gallons and gallons of gas that you spent taking kids to practice, to recitals, to different events. Mama, the way the way you helped me figure out my math homework. Mama, the way you were there when I needed some advice on... What to do with my life? Maybe we need to recognize God's authority, especially in our mamas. When we exercise our God given authority within God's will, God's power will follow. So I have a question for you. What about you? how is God leading you? What authority has he given you? Maybe it's a mama. Maybe maybe you're not. That's okay. He's given you some authority. He's called you to a mission. He's given you the gospel. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you gonna do? Maybe maybe you don't have authority because you don't have Christ. You know, maybe. Maybe you're listening to this and you say, Well, what transformation? I haven't I haven't been transformed. I've never I I mean, I've gone to church, I've prayed, I've I've done whatever, but I mean A different kind of life? I don't know know what you're talking about. I know a God who takes enemies and transforms them. Who takes persecutors and turns them into proclaimers. Who takes people that are running away from God and makes them people that want to run for God. Changes their lives completely, and if you look around this room, you'll find other folks like that too. If you've never experienced that, I'm going to give you that chance this morning. Linda's going to come play. Jim's going to lead us in a hymn. I'm going to be at the front. If you've never known the God that can change your life, let me tell you something. He won't leave you the same. He will do a dramatic change, a change that you may never have thought possible. And maybe maybe you know Him, and you've experienced that change, but you know you've been outside of His will. I'm here to help. As we sing this song, everybody stand. As we sing this song, you, you come and you do what God is asking you to do.